Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. So, today, if you guys remember last week, we... uh, we started, and I, I kind of had a sermon. I told you that God had kind of showed me that we were just going to break this out, and, and each of those points was going to be its own sermon. So um, so we, we end up with maybe a, a few weeks here that uh, we're going to talk about kind of this topic, about when God makes a plan. Now, last week we talked about when God makes a plan, that His, His timing is more important than our time. Because we want to do things in a time that's convenient to us, or maybe the time that makes the most sense. But he does it at a specific time for the specific purpose that he has in his plan. Uh, We didn't talk about this one last week, but just to briefly illustrate uh, kind of what that means is when we look at the the situation where Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had died. And he gets a message that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus could have left and probably been there while Lazarus was sick. But he, it says that he tarried, he waited where he was um, for four days, right? And Lazarus had died. So when he gets to uh, where Lazarus was, one would have thought that, oh, hey, the time that he could do something has passed. And in our mind, there is a certain time when things ought to happen. But what we realize is that God's time... Or our time versus God's timing are two different things. His timing is perfect, even though it doesn't happen in our time. Now, this week we're going to continue along the the, the idea of when God has a plan, when it's God's plan. But today, what we're going to look at is that His plan is more concerned with your restoration than your reputation. Is point number two. So just, just figure this is one, one big sermon here, right? And this is point number two, but we're going to have some sub points here. But his plans are, are more worried about your spiritual well-being than how well thought of you are. Jesus illustrates this in his own life. And, and we find out that, that Jesus, he, he really... Back in the day when he was living, you had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, these guys who were the aristocracy in in Jerusalem, the the people who had means, they had wealth, they had education, they had all the, the stuff that everybody else wanted. They were highly respected. But what did we find out really quickly is that Jesus didn't associate with those people. Right? It was those people who came and tried to find fault with Jesus and all, all these different situations. But when Jesus would have supper, who did he eat with? It wasn't the people who knew the most about the Bible. It wasn't the people who lived the best way. But it was the, uh, as they describe it, the publicans, the sinners, and the harlots. Those were the people who Jesus associated with. And what we have to realize is that he is not worried about his reputation in dealing with our restoration. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 10. Putting the pressure on Jana up there. 
She, she is under a lot of pressure. As Keith said earlier, this, we're live streaming this service. So this, this is the first time we've done it. We've got a lot of bugs. We've tried to work out and get things going. Uh, we've, we've had the means, the, the technology. We have the technology and stuff. Uh, technology and stuff. Somebody got, uh, Jeff got a kick out because he remembers the World Series guy, right? You remember that? The, No. You guys don't remember the guy who is from, from General Motors who was giving out the trophy at the World Series, and he's reading the thing, he's really nervous. He's like, and we have uh, industry-leading uh, uh, technology and stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we got technology and stuff here. But, uh, so we, we have it, but this, this is our first week doing that. So Janet, is, we put her under the gun this morning. She does a fantastic job. One of the smartest people you ever meet. She is on top of it, so... There you go. Good job, Jana. She's totally embarrassed now, so just so you know. All right. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am come to call, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, one of the things we have to realize is that Jesus is not afraid of our sinfulness. It's true. He's not worried about the messes that we make. He's, he's not, uh, oh yes, I would, uh, I would love to do something with that guy over there, but man, he's, he's kind of a loser. I was trying not to point at anybody with my hand, so I didn't want you guys to think that I was directing that towards any of you. But you know what I mean? He, he's not afraid of who we are and coming to us in, in order to, to save us and, and to speak to our hearts. We remember the, the kids come up here earlier and they sung the song about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Zacchaeus was a, a publican. He was a tax collector. One of the most hated people in their culture because he, he was a Jew, but he worked for the Roman government. And, and these guys were, uh, they had to collect so much taxes, but anything extra they took, that was okay too. It was up to them. They set the tax rate. They would take what they want. And people hated them for it. They would cheat. They would steal whatever it took to, to gain their personal wealth. But here was a guy named Zacchaeus, and Jesus was coming by. Zacchaeus hops up in the tree because he wants to see Jesus. And as Jesus comes by, he looks up at Zacchaeus, and he says, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree because I'm going to eat at your house today. I'm coming over to your house. And by golly, everybody's like, well, does he know who Zacchaeus is? He's going to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus is a publican. Jesus is going there. But Jesus isn't afraid of our sin. He isn't afraid to get involved in the messes we create. He's not afraid to, to wade through the mud to get to us. There was a song that, uh, I don't know if you guys know Tim Case or ever uh, meet Tim or heard him preach, but... Good friend of mine, I oh, love the guy. The Lord picked him up out of uh, drug and alcohol addiction 
and, and set him on, on a path, and he, he's been preaching for years. That's a great job. But he will get up, and he sings this song, God reached way below the bottom for me that night. Way below the bottom. There isn't a person that you, you know or have ever met that is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. There's no sin that, that you or anyone else has committed that is beyond His ability to cover and to forgive. And beyond that, and see, sometimes I think we as a church, we give the impression that, that church is for good people, that Jesus is for good people. If you get your life straightened up enough, you can walk through those doors. You can come in here if you're good enough, if you meet the criteria, if, if you do all the right things. But the reality is that isn't what, what this is all about. Jesus wants to meet us right where we're at. You don't, have to, you don't have to meet certain criteria before you get to come to church. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants to deal with you right where you're at. Whatever the mistakes you've made, whatever it is that you've done in your life, He wants to meet you right where you're at because He is not afraid to get involved. Sometimes we, we get afraid to get involved in people's life because it gets messy, right? It gets rough, it gets tough. If you ever had a family member who's who's been in been in jail and you get a call. Right? You have friends or family that you have to go pick up at a bar somewhere and drive them home. Right? Amen. And we're like, "Man, I ain't doing that." I ain't, getting, I ain't getting messed up in all that. Jesus is like, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll get messed up in whatever you got going on in your life because it is more important to me to see your restoration than what other people might think about me. Sometimes we look at people, new Christians, Christians, new converts, and, and, and they'll mess up. They, they, they mess up. They, they do the wrong thing. They get involved in things. Maybe they, they slip back into some of the things from their old life. And we, we look at them and, and, and we're like, well, look at him. Look at what happened to him. He's, he went back to that old stuff. Well, I knew it was coming. Right? You've heard it. You've heard it, amen. I knew it was coming. I knew that. And Jesus is like, it doesn't matter. They come back and then they're still trying and they mess up and they're still trying and they mess up. But then there's other people standing from the outside. Well, they're really not a Christian. If they're really a Christian, they wouldn't mess up like that. But we have to understand that when God makes a plan for our life, that it is less about His reputation than it is our restoration. Well, they're just dragging the name of Jesus through the mud. He don't care. He'll go through whatever he has to go through for our restoration. Now, when God makes a plan, I, I said that it's more about restoration than reputation but I, I want you to understand something that doesn't just apply to the reputation of Jesus 
the, 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 the original thought and the, the, the point that really kind of come to mind for me and, and the thing that the, the Lord had laid on my heart here is, um, how many of you guys ever heard of David, the king, David, king of Israel, right? Wrote Psalms, killed Goliath, or a lot of the Psalms, not all of them, killed Goliath, right? Everybody's kind of heard of David. Well, you guys, if you know much about David, you'll know that David kind of made a big mistake in his life. At the time when all the kings go out to battle, right, David stayed home in his palace. And while he's on his palace, he goes out on the balcony and he sees this young lady out taking a bath, right? He's attracted to her. So he tells the servant, go fetch her, right? Fetch her. She ends up getting pregnant. Well, her husband is out on the battlefield and he's like, I got to cover my tracks. I'm going to bring her husband back here. That way he can be with her and they'll think it's his kid. Well, when he comes back, he refuses, since all his buddies are out on the battlefield, he refuses to go in and lay with his wife. So David's like, what am I going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send this guy with a letter to the, to the captain out there. And he sends a letter to Joab, and he says, listen, here's what I want. I want you to put him out in the front line. And when the battle gets really bad, I want you to call everybody back and leave him out there. Effectively killing this guy, Uriah. Now, once that had happened, once Uriah was dead, David was in the clear, right? He was good. Everything's covered up now. Everything is good. Except for one day, a guy by the name of Nathan. This is a prophet of God. He comes to David, and he starts talking to David. He said, David, let me tell you a story. There was a guy who had all these great herds. He had all sorts of sheep. And a traveler comes in from out of town. And he decides he's going to make a meal for him. Well, he has this neighbor who only has one sheep, and he loved it dearly. It stayed in his house. It, it was, it was a, a family pet. So he commands his servants, instead of using one of his uh, great flock, to go down and get that one sheep, to kill it, and to serve it to, to this man, this traveler who had come into town. And the scripture says that as David was hearing this, his anger began to rise. He began to get angry as he heard this. And he, he, Nathan asked, what ought to happen to this guy? He said, well, this guy will pay. He'll surely die. He's going to restore what it was he took 40 times over. And Nathan looked at David and said, thou art the man. It wasn't a you the man kind of thing right you demand Dave. no it's this story is about you david you're the guy i'm talking about and the lord was going to punish david for this there's a scripture there in in second samuel chapter 12, 12 verse 12 when Nathan is speaking to David after all this has been revealed, he says this, For thou didst it secretly, but this thing, basically the punishment, this thing will, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. So the Lord, through Nathan, is telling David, You did it secretly, but I'm going to do this in front of all of Israel. I'm going to make sure everybody knows what happened. Because your restoration is more important than your reputation. See, the Lord could have been like, I'm going to keep this hit because David's my guy. 
He's the guy who I've invested. Man, I had, when he was a boy, I had uh, Samuel come out and anoint his head with oil. He was my pick. He's the apple of my eye. He was the one that I, I paraded out there and allowed him to, to defeat the giant. He's the one that defeated the Philistine. He's the one who has been through battle after battle. And the one they sung songs about David killing his 10,000 of the enemy. He is my guy. But to me, it is more important to restore him to a right place and get him into a right relationship than it is for him to have a reputation that he's perfect or that he does everything right or that he doesn't mess up. Lord could have let it slide, couldn't he? He could have let it slide. He could have said, ah, it's all right, it's just David. If I do that, it might destroy him. People won't think the same of him anymore. But what we realize is what God really wanted to do was restore David. That's why he writes in Psalms, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore, he, he, uh, he also writes, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. All these things came about, not, not before, not that he had felt guilty about what, but it wasn't until God had brought to his attention and brought out in, in the light the sin that he had committed, that David began to realize that there was something that had happened in his life, something he lacked, and began the process of restoration and coming back to God. We're more concerned oftentimes with what people will think of us than where we stand with the Lord. How will people view me? What will they think of me? Then, where am I at with God? And I want to say to you this morning that His plan, the plan that He makes is less about our reputation. Here I, here I stand as a preacher and I'll tell you this. That I believe with all my heart that if taking me out of the ministry is what it takes to get me to heaven, God will do that. He would rather see me not be a preacher than be a preacher and end up in hell. You say, well, how could you be a preacher? Well, <laughs> you can. It can happen. Our, the condition of our soul is more important than the reputation or the job or the ministry that we do in church. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. It's more important to Him that our heart is right with Him than it is that we're doing this thing or that thing. And I'm not saying that it always ends up in extremes and that, 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 that it's going to be some kind of David thing where there's going to be some great punishment. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to tell you is he would rather for us to take care of the little things in our life that are separating us from him than to have us to continue and to continue thinking that everything is okay when what he really wants is our restoration back into a relationship with him. I'm going to read a scripture in James chapter 5 verse 16. 
And I'm going to be honest with you, that this is a tough scripture to read because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. It's, it's not one that we really, wow, hey, that's great, let's do that. But I think James, he, he puts this out there, man, he hits the nail on the head. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the last part of that scripture we like, right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you've heard me preach before, you've heard me talk about, uh, more than likely you've heard me talk about this scripture maybe, and and I'm going to make a point that I think is critical. Yes, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But what does it mean to be righteous? It means to be right with God, not to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, we don't mess up, and that there's not times in our life that we need some kind of restoration. That there's not times in our life when we head down a wrong path and we need to come back. There's not times in our life when we get distracted from the, the calling that He's put in our life and we need to be turned back. It doesn't mean that even those of us who know Christ as our Savior, there aren't times that we need to repent of the way that we're heading and come back to Him. That's why James starts that scripture out and he says, confess your faults one to another. Because we have to realize quickly that we all have faults. Every one of us. Well, maybe not you, but definitely me. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other. That you might be healed. Then after he just finishes talking about our faults, right? Our shortcomings. Then he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much or has a great effect. Your righteousness, listen, your righteousness, it's not yours, it's Christ, right? Remember, it's been... A couple months ago, we, we talked about righteousness and, and this concept of imputed righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ that's put on our life. And what I'm telling you here today is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have to get pulled back. Sometimes that there aren't things that we've done in our life that God has to draw us back to Him. There aren't things, uh, uh, sins that happen in our life that we don't have to come back and say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Take not thy spirit from me. Purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Uh, that, that there aren't those things that we begin to say, just like David did. After he had, had committed this sin and God had brought this to his attention. Because God's plan for our life is more concerned with our restoration, our right standing with God, than it is our reputation. But we get so hung up on what it is that other people see, the visuals that people get from our life, what they might think of us, uh, what they might see in us, that we're so con uh, concerned with that, that we don't deal with what's really going on inside. And this morning, I want you to know that God's plan for our life is about getting us in a right relationship with Him. First and foremost, it's more important to Him for you to be in a right relationship than what 
other people may think about you. It's more important for him to be in a right relationship with you, you and him, right where you need to be, than what people might think of him. Reputation doesn't matter as much as restoration, as much as righteousness, as much as being where you need to be with God. See, this morning, it's, it's important that we understand that sometimes, sometimes God takes us down a path. It's uncomfortable. Where our faults come to light for the very reason that He can get them out in the open and deal with them. Put us in a place where we're ready to come back to Him. This morning, maybe you're here and, and the Lord's dealing with you this morning and, and you need restoration. You need to come back. You've been walking in the wrong direction. You've been walking away from Him when you should have been walking to Him all along. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.